Welcome to episode 59 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 59 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Doing great, doing great. I am I am in my last full week of of being at school. It's um the kids are still there, but I am not seeing kids this week, but they're they're all around. So we're having things like field day and River Ridge Idol, which is a like a like American Idol, but it's elementary kids <laughs> doing all sorts of talents. <laughs> oh, fun fact, my son that's 20 that um some of you may know him as the creator of the Window app. He actually won River Ridge Idol back in 2006 with a pogo stick routine to Elvis Presley's You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was just a, a blast from the past right there. <laughs> I, was, I, I was thinking about it today because, you know, every year I think about that. But <laughs> So it's, it's a busy week at our school, and the kids are just like, you know, running all around everywhere. And I helped out in a few other teachers' classrooms today. So... It's, it's a long but exciting week, and then we have our fifth grade graduation coming up, and then we have um, just a couple of teacher work days next week, so then it'll be done. You're so close. I'm so close. Yes, it's very exciting. I'm actually going to Hilton Head over the weekend for a couple of days. It's in between, um, so I have to work this week, then I'm going to the beach for two days, then coming back to finish up and close out my classroom and then walk away. The last day, I'm just going to be carrying out just my purse. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. So many exciting things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what's up with you? Well, just to go off what you said really quickly, I I had a pogo stick when I was little. Do you think they still make those? I feel like now – Okay, I was going to say, I feel like now with all of the, like – legal things that it would get deemed too dangerous you know for well this was 12 years ago so I feel like they still have pogo sticks yeah we we always had interesting things like that one of my sons rode a unicycle for a while I mean we all (laughs) like we we did interesting things around here yeah there were a few things I always wanted when I was little that I never got um like the moon bounce shoes do you remember those I do I really wanted those. And then, um, oh my goodness, I remember, <laughs> I remember in like elementary school, I went over to one of my best friend's house and his little sister had this toy set. Okay, I won't say toy set, but it was a um, a train set that you built with like the, the, the track and the train, but you rode on it. Oh, that sounds fun. I wanted it so bad and it was for little kids and I wa- and yeah. I was oh, I wanted it so bad. <laughs> toys. I love toys. Oh okay. yeah. And Toys R Us is closing. Tangents. Oh, are all of them closing? I don't know. We saw a sign. My family was in town over the weekend and we saw like the guy standing with the sign saying, you know, closing yeah, ours. Yeah, ours is closing too. So yeah, I, I didn't, think they're all closing. Know. Oh gosh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just ours. Yeah, I and that used to be such like a wonder, a wonder world. Oh yeah, yep, it was. It's crazy. I wonder if all stores will close someday, and it'll all just be Amazon. Gosh, I hope not. I like to be able to go and like touch things before I buy them and think about them. And 
That's true. Yeah, I don't want to have to buy everything online. I guess grocery stores, hopefully, or probably will prevail. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Anyway, I like to be able to just get it when I need it. I hear Instead you. of having to wait. But anyway, we'll see. Times they are changing. <laughs> I do have some things that have been coming up through the week that I've been taking notes of to talk about on the podcast, as per usual. Oh, well, good. I was actually just listening to Chris Kresser's Your Personal Paleo Code audiobook. And he actually is just really random, but he... He went and talked about how fructose is specifically metabolized in the body. And we had that question, I think, last week about the fructose. And I just wanted to uh, say really quickly what he said. He said that fructose breaks down into 50% glucose, or not breaks down, but the liver processes it into 50% glucose, 25% lactate. Which I didn't know. That's fascinating to me. That's typically produced, I think, as a byproduct of um, like exercise. Wow. Um, 15% glycogen, only about 2 to 3% fat, which I, I did know. Fructose itself doesn't really readily become fat. And then the rest is um, used as energy. So I thought that was fascinating. Pretty interesting. So for listeners, if you go to well, first of all, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 59, that's where we will have links to all of the notes for today's episode, and I will put a link to the episode where we talked about fructose and fruit. I was also listening to the ATP Project podcast, which is, I think I've talked about it on here before, I'm really obsessed with that podcast, and they were talking about the difference, something else we've discussed recently, between... um visceral fat and subcutaneous fat, so the fat stored around your organs versus the fat stored underneath your skin, which is the subcutaneous fat. And they were explaining how that could be a huge reason that people see plateaus in their weight and their weight loss or don't see changes in the mirror because apparently the body, when we, especially with intermittent fasting, we first start to burn the visceral fat. So that is the the unhealthy, the quote unhealthy fat stored around the, the organs. Um, but the subcutaneous fat is the fat underneath the skin. And while it is more benign, it doesn't tend to create as many problems. It can be harder to burn in a way because as I discussed, the body doesn't really like know that it's there or doesn't really <laughs> care about it as much. Um, but that might explain plateaus for a lot of listeners, I was thinking, because it could be that people start intermittent fasting and then they really tap into their visceral fat and then they lose all of, you know, a lot of that. But then the fat under the skin, because it is stubborn, th- there could be like that lag there, you know, in shifting between the different fat stores. And then um, also not, also burning visceral fat, you don't necessarily see it because it's inside of you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a great point. We had a um a person in the Facebook group talking about this today and she was talking about how she's not losing any inches. You know, and a lot of people lose inches before they lose on the scale. Um like they'll thanks to body recomposition, but she was like, "Well, I, you know, I haven't lost any inches. I'm losing pounds, but I'm not losing inches." So it, it, that would be explained by the visceral fat going, you know, you it's not you can't really tell in your 
clothes, but your body knows that it's happening. Yeah, because you can't like squeeze it or touch right. it or anything. Whereas mm-hmm. the subcutaneous fat right under the skin, that's what you pinch. That's what you you right. feel. So um, I just had – they were just talking about that. And I was like, you know, that, that explains a lot. <laughs> so it's complicated. And our bodies all are going to do it differently. Yep, t- completely, completely. One last little fun fact. I've recently been interested in essential oils. I haven't I, – I don't have any yet, but somebody did, did offer to send me, like, lots of them, so I'm pretty excited to try them. Um, but – did you know that citrus, like the smell, works on similar pathways or maybe even the same pathways in our brain as caffeine? That's so, interesting. I know it's energizing. I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that citrus is supposed to be energizing. That makes sense then. Now that explains why. I'm going to start using it in the morning. And sit and report back and let us know. I will. Are you going to like dab it on your like? I don't know. I know nothing about gonna... essential oils. I'm probably... I don't know either. You have to be careful, I think, with them on your skin. Some of them are not good. Um, some of them, I don't know. There, there's a lot. I'm, I'm not an expert on using essential oils, but I know that some of them, you have to be cautious with the way you use them. Make sure you research. Use them safely. Are you going to maybe put them in a diffuser type thing? I'm going to ask the, the girl who is sending me all of them how to best okay. do it. Because I it's been on my to-do list of things to try. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I haven't even really researched it. But um, at first I was thinking it was kind of like, oh, you know, smells. What can that do? But just casually, just hearing about it more and more, it seems like it can have re- like really intense therapeutic effects. So, I think so too. Just I just want to caution listeners to be careful. Make sure you're using them safely. Like, like we said, just because some of them – can really like I've heard of people having injuries from using them incorrectly. So, oh wow! Yeah, like some of them can burn your skin, but that that's something that I mean I'm not I'm not saying essential oils are bad. I think they're awesome. It's just a matter of using them and understanding the differences and researching them and having a reputable source of them. And I'm certain the ones you're going to be using are going to have all those criteria met, and you'll know how to use them. Well, I will. I'll keep you posted, and I will report back. Definitely. Alrighty. So shall we jump into all of our stuff for today? Yes, let's get started. Okay, so to start things off, this is it's actually a question, but it, it's going to relate into some feedback and some things that we want to clarify a little bit. So this comes from Christy, and the subject is Prolon, the Fasting Mimicking Diet. So this is going to relate to an episode that we had recently. And Christy says... Hi, ladies. Love the podcast. Been binge listening on my commute to and from work every day. I love hearing validation regarding some of the experiences I have had while doing IF. I've been IFing for two months now. I started at 16.8, only to realize I wasn't doing a clean fast after listening to your podcasts, and I've since cleaned up my act and gotten to one meal a day uh, in a 21.3 pattern. So that means she is fasting for 21 hours and eating for three hours. A friend told me about this program and though I'm not really interested in it myself, it's very expensive in my honest opinion. I'd still love to hear your thoughts on it. And then she gives us a link to Prolon. Thanks in advance. Keep up the good work. Okay. So we received this email, perfect timing. We actually received it right after or right around the same time that we recorded episode 57 of this podcast. And so that was the interview with Dr. Walter Longo. And that was a 
fascinating podcast. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. We learned so much about Longo's work, um, but I did want to bring up this question. I did want to clarify a little bit for listeners because uh, there's been some discussion in the Facebook groups and I think some confusion surrounding what Dr. Longo, surrounding his work, surrounding his diets, surrounding the longevity diet versus the fasting mimicking diet and prolon. So we just wanted to briefly clear that up for listeners. So in retrospect, we probably should have made this more clear up front in that episode rather than just jumping into the content. Uh, but uh, so anyways, basically Dr. Longo's work, he, he's been working with fasting and the benefits of fasting in the body for years and years and years. He's worked with rodents and then more recently with human studies, and he he did seem to focus originally more on fasting per se, but now his work has evolved and has gone into diet as well and the foods you eat and how certain foods can mimic fasting and promote longevity. And so basically in his book, his new book is called The Longevity Diet. So he has two things. He has the longevity diet, and then he has the fasting mimicking diet. So the longevity diet is his overall, it's it's basically what you eat. <laughs> so like in my book, What, When, Wine, I do paleo. So the longevity diet is like the what version of what you eat. Um, it doesn't mandate fasting or anything like that, but it's basically a, a Mediterranean style plant-based diet, lower in protein. And from Dr. Longo's work, it seems to support longevity and lifespan. So it's basically just a recommendation for an anti-inflammatory diet that may or may not work for you. We, we discussed that in the, the, the podcast because people do react differently to different foods, but it is, um, it is a, a nice type of diet to try. And we don't, we, we don't want it to come off as like a diet. <laughs> like right. you have to do I certain wanted, yeah. things. No, I just, I wanted to make sure to, that we really hit that point home. It's the word diet that makes people cringe because you know, we don't mean like you're going on the, the this diet. No, this is meant in the sense of like Mediterranean diet as like the pattern of foods that you eat. It's the, the choices, the choices that you're... Right. You eat a diet, whether you're on a diet is something different. <laughs> so this is not a, a diet you go on and off. This is a recommended dietary approach. So that's just the thing that people need to understand. The Mediterranean diet, the longevity diet. These are dietary approaches, not a diet you go on and go off. Just like the paleo diet, right? It's not something you do and then stop. Just like with fasting, people right. jump in. It's a lifestyle. It's like the word calories, how they're so <laughs> misunderstood. Right. We need two different words. That's so true about diet. You know, it, there should be a word that means it's diet. really like if you have on, if you're going on a diet or if you're having, you know, your diet. You're dieting. The word on is like the trigger. Don't go on a diet, have a diet. <laughs> right? That that and dieting. Yeah, yeah. So that's so true. If we just had two different words for, for diet, that would help so much. Then he also has the fasting mimicking diet. So that is... Is, so that's is a diet you go on. That is, that, a that is a diet that you go on. So the fasting mimicking diet typically runs about five days. It is a very, very restricted protein, restricted calorie diet. And 
what it basically does from Dr. Longo's work is it, it creates a metabolic state in the body, despite the fact that you're eating, which is similar to the fasted state as far as autophagy goes, as far as stem cell re rejuvenation goes. So basically what it does is it allows people to go on a, a sort of an extended fast, so like a multi-day fast while still eating. And so it's a, it's a complicated concept, but Dr. Longo has done a lot of very fascinating work in rodents and in humans on this on this diet, this fasting mimicking diet. And when he initially developed it, it was obviously completely food-based. I mean, it's still <laughs> food-based, but, and as he discusses in his book, it requires certain macronutrient ratios, like I said, low protein, low calories. And in the longevity diet book, he does discuss what those macronutrients, what those calories are. So um, you could do it from whole foods. That said, because it took off in a way and because he is working more and more with the health benefits of it and working with practitioners and doctors who can use it therapeutically for patients um, to reverse disease, to create a ton of health benefits, he, he basically wanted to create a, a prescribable form of it, which is Prolon. So that is his manufactured version of the fasting mimicking diet. And like he discussed on the podcast, he does not receive any profit from it. All of the proceeds do go to a charity that he started. So basically, it was a matter of um, feasibility, of implementation, and creating Prolon, which is the, the commercial version of the fasting mimicking diet. So on our podcast, we are not saying, we're not saying that you should do Prolon. We're not, we have no investment in it or anything. I just wanted to clarify that that's what it is. That's why it was created. I actually personally would not do Prolon because of some of the ingredients and the additives in my sensitive system and my, my paleo nature and knowing how I, how I react to foods. Um, but that, that's what Prolon is and that's what the fasting mimicking diet is. So it's not intermittent fasting, but it's fascinating. I've been fascinated by it by, for the longest time. I actually wrote a blog post about it quite a long time ago. So that that's what that is. So hopefully that clar clarifies things for listeners. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's a good a good clarification for it. All righty. And then we actually we do have one more really quick. Speaking of emails about guest podcasts, we have another email from Amanda. And her subject is the Paleothyroid with L podcast. And she just quickly says, thank you for having her on. I learned so much. The thyroid is a tough gland to understand. Having mine removed due to module growth, it really helped me understand my meds and labs. And it directed me to her book. I love listening to you both, Amanda. Um, so for listeners who are curious, that episode has been really popular. We did have an episode with L. L. Russ, who wrote the Paleothyroid Solutions. So if you have any questions about thyroid health and all of that, you should definitely check out that episode. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 59, I'll put links to the, the Dr. Walter Longo podcast, um, to L's podcast, to all of the things. All right. So we have some feedback also from Liz, and the subject is a great idea for naysayers. And it says, hi, ladies, I've been doing IF for four weeks and I have lost four pounds. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. I know you were sent from above. 
I'm 54 years old and have had a total hysterectomy and have had my right thyroid removed. I thought it was impossible to lose weight after years of being diet addicted. No more food rules. I know I can eat anything, but prefer whole natural foods. I'm finally caught up on your podcasts. After listening to a couple of episodes about how to explain this way of life to people, I had a light bulb moment today. I started thinking of this as having an eating window instead of talking about the fasting aspect. I just tell people I eat only during a five-hour period and don't eat the rest of the time. I tested this out on my adult daughter, and it perked her interest. By not focusing on fasting, she was more receptive. Later, I will send her the link to your podcast. Maybe we should rename intermittent fasting and call it Windows. I do understand the benefits of fasting, but perhaps calling it eating windows at first would help us evangelize and spread the word. Hallelujah. Anyway, I love you ladies and feel like you're my girlfriends. Thanks, Liz. And Liz, I do want to say you're not the first person that I've heard talk about this. In fact, some people have renamed it and they call it time-restricted feeding. So you'll see people talking about time-restricted feeding and that that's, that's what they're doing with that instead of saying the word fasting. It's the same exact thing. I like the word windows, though, like you suggested, just because time-restricted feeding sounds so clinical to me. What do you think about There's the word restriction in there, which still makes it. Yeah, it's got restricted in there. Yeah, so I don't love that either. So, No, but yeah, I think this is a wonderful idea, Liz. I wish I had, I wish I had put this in my book under my tips and tricks. <laughs> that is something I do talk about is focusing on um, – on, doing intermittent fasting because you like eating like like focusing on the food aspect of it like right. I do intermittent fasting because it lets me eat you know I can eat to satiety I can eat mm-hmm. all I want I'm free from food cravings so that I think the focus especially for like like Liz said evangelizing the focus definitely works well when it's on the food and the eating rather than the fasting right and then once people plug into exactly. the fasting and they like fasting then you can talk about <laughs> the fasting benefits more. So. Yeah. But I do think the cow's out of the barn as far as naming it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty much taken on as intermittent fasting. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. That is that is a great way to sell it to people. Focus on the eating window. All right. So now we can go to our first question. And this comes from Cortano. Hi, Mellifilous Mel and Gleeful Jen. I'm a 62-year-old Brazilian, handsome but married, sorry, man. I'm an English and Portuguese teacher, an artist, and a wannabe one-aeronaut. And I had never heard of that word one-aeronaut before, but apparently it is somebody who lucid dreams. Do you do lucid dreaming, Jen, or have you ever had lucid dreams? I've never tried that, but my my 18-year-old... Um, has dabbled in that. And actually, you know what? I think my 20-year-old my has too. I think he was listening to some podcasts at some point that talked about that. I think both of my children have talked about that. Lucid dreaming is basically where you're aware you're dreaming. It happens to me occasionally. And you and apparently you can do brain hacks to really make it happen more. It, it's really awesome when it happens. So has it never happened to you? It Well, I don't know. Tell me what it... Oh, it's so great. Because basically you're dreaming, but then you you realize you're dreaming so well yeah that's happened so then you can like just live your you can just it's like having all the superpowers and doing whatever you want 
because you're in this imaginary world and you know it's imaginary, but you can make things happen. Well, yeah, I've had dreams like that. I didn't know that was lucid dreaming. Well, I guess you can like really make your brain so that it happens automatically. The problem with me is once I realize I'm lucid dreaming, it's hard for me to stay asleep. I, I wake up. Oh, yeah. It's really well, sad. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have time to research this now. You're supposed to – um. The, the door thing is you're supposed to, like in real life, every time you walk through a door, you say, am I dreaming? And then you'll say no. So then what happens is when you're in a dream, if you walk through a door, you'll say, am I dreaming? And then that's when you realize you're dreaming. The problem for me is <laughs> I started doing that. And then the first time I walked through a door in my dream, I walked the door and I was like, Am I dreaming? And I was like, nope. Like, this is real life. Okay. Yeah, so it didn't work. Whatever. Okay, back to... I don't don't have time to think those thoughts when I'm walking through doors. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Fail. All right. Back to Cortana's email. He says, I've listened to every one of your 51 deliciously yummy episodes. Congrats on being one year on the air, by the way. I've been fasting intermittently. Intermittently fasting? question mark for two months now i do one meal a day or 22 2 meaning i eat from 6 to 8 p.m from monday through saturday on some sundays my wife's daughter and her husband come here for lunch so i open my window at about 1 or 1 30 and close it at about 6 p.m i just want to tell you how it's been going for me and ask you one question i started out at 178 pounds and today i weighed myself and i'm at 163 pounds my wife has made three measurements of my waistline, um, and then he gives he gives us some measurements, but basically he went from 40.15 inches to 37 inches uh, within about two months. He says, I feel great. My question is about my daughter. She's 30 years old and obese and did not respond well to my enticements into IF. So my question, what would be your main arguments to attract someone into IF? In closing, let me reinstate that I'm very grateful for the quality information you so generously share with us fatsos. Thank you so much, you lovely, lovely ladies. A great big hug for you. I just want to say, Cortano, I think this was the most interestingly and articulate and wonderful vocabulary usage email we've received. It was. It was. was, Well, you see, he likes words. He's an English and Portuguese teacher. This is true. This is true. He's a wordsmith. I love that. He is. Yep. That was great. All right, should I should I get started with that? Sure. So we were thinking we could come up with um, – we don't normally prep or talk ahead about the questions, but we decided we could come up with three with three enticements that we would have and see if see if they uh, overlap. It was hard. It was hard. I, yeah, we were going to do five, and I could only come up with three. For me, before I, I, I give mine um, – I want to tell a little personal story that might make Cortano feel better. You know, I'm leading these Facebook support groups of, you know, over 90,000 members now worldwide. And you would think, wow, she can talk anybody into intermittent fasting. Well, I'd like to say when my mother was visiting, she lives in Virginia. When she was here over Christmas, she talked about her weight. She had had some trouble with her weight, you know, for her adult life. And then she lost some weight and and she was doing all right with that. And then... Now she's regained weight. And I said, well, you could try intermittent fasting. 
and she shot me down so fast. My own mother will not do it. She said, oh, I have to eat all day. But you see, my mother is, is she wants to lose weight. And she's like, no, I have to eat all day. I, and she like threw out all the reasons she couldn't do it. Oh, I get a headache. Oh, it makes me tired. And I'm like, I promise <laughs> you could try this. So Cortano, my own mother, will not try it. Thinks, no, she won't do it. So, Wait, can I say, I, I do that with my mom too sometimes because um, she has a lot of like chronic pain and immune uh, autoimmune conditions and things like that. And every now and then I'll be like, you know, you could try a, a paleo whole foods only diet. And then it's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she eats, she eats very healthy, but um, just as far as like, you know, cutting out all the, like everything. <laughs> yeah. But I do it yeah. that way. It's like, you could try. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no. I'm like, oh, no. well, you could just try pushing your eating. No, no, no. I, I really like to have my whatever toast and egg. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> then that's fine but... i know i like quickly retreat it's like okay never mind <laughs> and and you know you don't want to be disrespectful but i want to say well then stop complaining i have the answer right here <laughs> just try it but no so I, i'm like all right that's fine i won't bring it up again and i literally probably will not bring it up again i'll just smile and nod that's what we do right as daughters anyway so cortana that was just our we're you know no one's a prophet in their old own town, right? <laughs> so I, I don't really like to think of it. The question was, what would your main arguments be to attract someone into IF? It's really hard to argue someone into it, I have found. Because if they are just full of arguments as to why they can't do it, they're not going to do it. And they don't want to do it. And they have to be ready. And so my number one favorite way to attract someone to IF is by just living the lifestyle and exuding health and they see that you feel better and better over time they see that you look great you haven't mysteriously regained all the weight you are vibrant you're you know turning back the clock most people end up looking younger over time and then they want some of what you have so it's not that you have talked them into it it's that they see that that it's working so well for you and then they they want to try it. So that it's really not an argument at all. It's just leading by example and um, and showing everybody that that hey this this is working and she's happier than I've ever seen her and she's look at that meal she's eating and so this is there's actually actually something to this lifestyle. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you said that. That's something I actually do talk about in the book and what when wine is that. I don't see any reason to go try to just convince people with like all of the scientific literature and be like, here are all the reasons why you should do this when you can just live your life and people may have doubts. People may think that it's not sustainable, but if it is sustainable and if it does work and if you do keep doing it, then that will speak for itself. So it, it's like a matter of time. There'll always be those people who are like, yeah, 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 you're the crazy person who doesn't eat. You know, I'm like, yes, I eat. I eat a lot of food. Here's a photo of my dinner. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's go to a restaurant sometime, you know. But over time, people start asking, so tell me about this again. Or, you know, for me and probably for you as well, instead of asking me about it, they're like, hey, I got your book. Hey, I've read your book. Hey, I'm trying it. Do you get that from people? Yeah. Who were ori originally naysayers and they're like, I just read your book. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> So it, over time, people will um, – do you want me to say all three of mine sure. before you say yours? Okay. My second one is um, 
So that so that so your first one was just like living the lifestyle. Yeah, lead by example instead of feeling like you need to to convince them because, you know, I'm not going to be able to to talk my mother into it. Cortana with your daughter, you're not going to be able to talk her into it. You know, I've I have found that both of my sons are doing it. One of them. Oh, I have did I talk about this on the podcast already? The one that works at Apple this summer. You talked about that he worked at Apple. Oh, yeah, yeah, that he's you did. Yeah, fasting. That he, mm-hmm, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's learned by example. I never said, you know, hey, you put on a little weight at college. Why don't you do intermittent fasting? They've seen – both of my boys have seen me do it. So they both did it, you know, without even, you know, bringing it up. So that's, that's my number one best um, best argument, which is not arguing at all. All right, my second one, I um, – this is really good for anyone who lives in Georgia or anyone who's a sports fan. And – you know who Herschel Walker is, of course, right, Melanie? Is sports related? No. Oh, that okay. I'm sure my whole family knows. I'm just I don't follow sports at all. Okay, well, Herschel Walker is um, a very famous football player that went to the University of Georgia and played football for the University of Georgia. And I'm not a University of Georgia fan. Sorry, everybody that is. Oh, that's my mom and like half my family and my brother. Yeah, I like I have a son. At- I have a Georgia Tech son, so I have to be, you know, and I went to Wake Forest, so I, I've never been a, I'm an SEC girl anyway. I'm an ACC girl. But Herschel Walker is like the most famous Georgia person to anyone in Georgia. And did you know, I guess since you don't know who he is, you did not know that he eats one meal a day and has since he was a teenager. There's a video on it. If you go to YouTube and search Herschel Walker one meal a day, there's an interview that he's given and he talks about how he only eats one meal a day and he has since he was a teenager. So all of his whole football career, all the things he's done, he's done all sorts of different, um, you know, he's, he's buff, he's built. He, um, he only eats one meal a day before it was something that people talked about before intermittent fasting was something that people knew Herschel Walker was just eating one meal a day. Cause that's just what worked for him. And he still does it. And people are like, oh, my gosh, Herschel Walker does it. Well, I can do it, too. That's a good one, too. Finding people who people identify with. Yes. So for us, it's Herschel Walker, but it might be, you know, Ronda Rousey or. Or, or like an actor, an actress or an something. An actor, because a lot of actors and actors, actresses are doing it, too. And just letting people know this is not crazy. Like, you know, did you know Hoda Kotb is doing it? She was talking about it on the Today Show. So just you know, name dropping people that they'll be familiar with that are doing it. I think more and more over time, we're going to keep hearing of more people doing it. So that's tip number two. And tip number three is really for people who think it's bad for you, but they, they, they're like, well, I would like to try it, but I think it's going to be bad for me. You know, there are definitely people like that. And so that's when you need to share resources with them. Um, for example, you could hand them a copy of Delay, Don't Deny, or What, When, Wine. I even talk about this in my book. You know, let let us do the explaining for you. You know, you don't have to be able to explain it yourself to answer all their questions. Just say, oh, here, it's in this book, and let them read it. I also have um, blog posts that go into that. I have one um, that, that I wrote at the beginning of 2018 that's called 2018, The Year Weight Loss Meets Dietary Freedom. And it's about intermittent fasting, and it's on jenstevens.com in the blog post section. Um, you can have them listen to our podcast. You can also have them listen to, or go to YouTube and look at some of Dr. Jason Fung's videos. He gives some introductory videos. So however someone likes to take in information, there's a way. If they want to read something short, 
blog post. If they want to read a book, you know, there's different levels of books. They could read my book, which is short. They could read The Obesity Code, which is longer. They could watch videos, listen to a podcast. But you don't have to be the one that explains it to them. Let someone who you think of as, as more of an expert do the explaining for you. And that kind of takes the pressure off of you. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's funny. I think we both originally wrote our our books just to have that resource for people just so we could be like, here's all the info. <laughs> Read this. Yeah, that's exactly why I wrote it. That's why I wrote mine. So Yeah, because I wanted something that I would – give to could give to somebody or send them to because I kept sending them to well here's the book here but it doesn't really tell you exactly how to do it it tells you the background science and you might not want to read it because it's really long or here's a book it's easy to read but I don't agree with the advice that you could have like a diet soda during the fast so don't do that part but the rest of the book is good you know and stuff like that so I was like well I have to write a book about it myself (laughs) and I did I really love those I feel like you took a you took a, a very different approach because I focus more on um, like more, you'll see. <laughs> um, but when I'm thinking about the question, I did realize, because there are so many health benefits to intermittent fasting, but I do think kind of like we discussed when, you, when you're first talking with somebody who is completely new to it, I don't think proclaiming all the health benefits is necessarily the best approach because a lot of people might s- seem like you're indicating that they're unhealthy. That, or, you know, or that um, that they're not yeah oh, that they're not point. as healthy yeah. as they could be. So I don't like to use that approach as a way to to convince people. The first one I have, and this may seem sort of obvious, but you can finally lose the weight with no calorie or macro counting. So no more dieting, no more calorie counting, no, no more yeah. of that neurotic, crazy miserableness. But then actually lose weight. I mean, it's just such a win-win situation. <laughs> the second one I had was uh, lose your cravings and hunger throughout the day and your need for constant snacking. And it's just so freeing just to like lose that, you know, to not feel the need to constantly snack, to not have those cravings. Um, and then to finally be able to eat what you want and to satiety in your eating window. It's just so wonderful. And then the third thing I had was that you get so much more time and productivity because you really, A, it's good for like for brain fog, it's good for for mental health and all that, but then you don't have to stop all the time to eat constantly. So it it just really just frees up your day, especially if you're doing a one meal a day where you eat at night, um, where you just get so much more time that you didn't even realize you had. And you don't think that it would... It's like, oh, how much time does it take to eat, you know, breakfast or have a snack or have lunch? But it really adds up when you cut it all out. So you can just prep your one meal for the evening, eat all you want, and then be have lots of productivity and hungerless time during the day. It's true. I mean, I remember thinking about, you know, every day. That's why I ended up driving through so many drive-throughs for so long and you know people often ask me because I post my meals all the time in the Facebook groups like almost every night if I unless I forget which happens sometimes but people are like oh you eat such beautiful food have you always eaten like that no (laughs) when I first started um you know before IF I was driving through Chick-fil-a for breakfast I was you know going through Starbucks and getting a latte I was bringing home McDonald's for the family or bringing home Zaxby's for the family or 
going to the grocery store and getting one of those pre-made meals like the fried chicken with the deli sides. I mean, that is honestly how I used to eat. And so I, I was like, there were so many eating events during the day that it was all I could do just to keep up with them, really, is almost how it, it feels. Like, well, I have to eat, so I don't have all this time, so I'm just going to eat what's fast. And so not having to worry about so many meals and snacks during the day, I can focus on my one meal, and it, it has turned into a beautiful meal. And I really think it's that time saving that you just talked about because I'm only having to think about one. So I can think about it being delicious and beautiful and not something I just have to throw together at the last minute. That's so true. And and then also all of the, the financial investment of the snacks and all of that stuff, you can put more towards your one meal. So like for me, especially following um, a paleo type diet for me, I do spend, <laughs> I spend a little bit more on food for my dinner meal, but hopefully it sort of evens out, but I do feel better purchasing, you know, like wild caught fish and organic meats and or organic vegetables and produce. And, but then I'm not, you know, having all the coffee during the day and I'm not having all the snacks during, well, I, I have coffee, but I'm not having all the snacks, not having all the, you're not having a $5 latte. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> There's that. Up. It really adds up a lot. I get, um, I used to get, <laughs> I get a lot of Starbucks gift cards from students and I used to, it was great. I, um, cause I have like a hundred gifted kids that I work with or worked with. And so I would get all these Starbucks gift cards cause they see me drinking coffee. And back in my latte days, I would use them. I would go to Starbucks and get breakfast. I would go to Starbucks and get, you know, a latte. This is embarrassing, but there had been days when I would drive to work and I would drive through Chick-fil-A and get breakfast and eat that and then drive to Starbucks and get a latte and take it with me to work. So I went through two drive throughs before I went to work. Isn't that crazy? But now that I, um, I only drink black coffee and I only drink it before noon, I don't drink it in the afternoon anymore, I mean, all these Starbucks gift cards were like stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. So like one time I went to Starbucks and just bought a bunch of beans that I could grind at home and that was good. But my son that was going to California, I'm like, look, here are all these Starbucks gift cards. And it was like $200 worth of Starbucks gift cards that he just took. And he was like, thank you. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's up for That's sure. That's how my life has changed. And so just think about how much I was spending before on, and this is just, I think, gift cards that I've gotten this school year. That's crazy. Yeah, I it was really I was recently, we were talking about how I've been moving and throwing away stuff and all the stuff. And I've been taking that approach now to everything. I'm like, throw away everything, you know, unsubscribe from all the emails. What else can I throw away? And so I was organizing my, my wallet and I was like, what cards can I throw away? And I came across my like Starbucks gold membership right. card thing. And I was like, should I throw this away? Yeah, I had one of those too. I actually didn't because I think it might have some money on it and I guess I can use it for water. That's what I would use it for yeah. from Starbucks. Or like a San Pellegrino. But it's also like if you go to the mall and you're like, ooh, I could run in there and get a San Pellegrino with one of these gift cards. But then there's like 42 people standing in line waiting for their latte and like forget about it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All righty. Shall we jump into our next email? Yes. This is from Colt. And the subject is unpurified water. And Colt says, hi, girls. Thank you so much for all of your episodes this far. They've helped me make a lot of positive changes. 
Also, Melanie, I just started your book and I am loving it, sharing it with all of my friends and will write a thorough review once I'm done. My question is this, during the fast, what are your thoughts on drinking unpurified water directly from the sink? In the past, when I've fasted for up to 24 hours straight, I got terribly sick because of a lack of electrolytes. Knowing that unpurified water has more minerals, my thought process is that if I drink mineral-rich water, that it will help keep my electrolytes in place, thus protecting my immune system. Also, I am a natural bodybuilder that trains heavy weights fasted six to seven days per week, so I sweat a lot and assume I lose electrolytes faster than the average Joe. Thanks so much and looking forward to your response. So, Melanie, what do you think about unpurified water? Well, tangent, I actually just ordered yesterday one of those under-the-sink purify water things for my for my sink. Don't tell anybody because I'm in an apartment, and I don't know if I'm allowed to install it. But um, You probably are, you, as long as you uninstall it. Hopefully. Leave, right? Hopefully. Or even if you don't, they won't care. It, you will have enhanced the value of the apartment. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm taking. I would take it with me though. I actually didn't buy it to drink the water from the faucet because I, for water, I I get glass gallon jars, and I think I've talked about this before. And I, but I go and I fill it up either from Whole Foods or from like the water filter systems. I, I just got the thing for the um for the sink because I'm nervous about all of the stuff that's in the water out here, even just getting on my dishes and stuff like that. So that might be a little little uh, hint for my answer to this question. really depends on where you live. Maybe you live in like this nice little mountain town that has well water coming through your sink or something like that. Um, but in general, I would not recommend drinking water straight from the sink, especially in the U.S. as well. I would just, I would, I would not. Well, first of all, in the U.S., they do add fluoride to the water, which... I'm not going to go into a huge tangent on that, but it's kind of crazy that they add something to our water, which is considered toxic in other countries. <laughs> um, so fluoride, but there there's so many potential toxins in water straight from the sink. I'll put a link if you go to iHavePodcast.com slash episode 59. I found a pretty good article that talks about different things that can be in your water from chlorine to lead to mercury to PCBs to arsenic, dioxins. So many different things. Um, and a lot of these things, pesticides as well, and a lot of them are just building up and accumulating in our drinking water. So yes, electrolytes are super key, and I'm really happy, Colt, that you realize that. The reason I say that is a lot of people will experience fatigue and things like that, and either while fasting or doing like a keto diet or something, and they might not realize that it is from a lack of electrolytes or a lack of minerals. So I'm really glad that you that you realize that and that you're working to address that. But I would recommend getting those electrolytes a different way and those minerals a different way. So some things that you could do rather than drinking straight out of the sink is you can get your, your purified water, ideally from like, uh, like I said, I, I go fill it up in glass glass gallons and such or you could use like a water filtration system or something like that but um you can actually add trace mineral drops to your water if you like to get natural minerals in your water there's a link on iofpodcast.com slash stuff we like to those minerals i think those work really well there's also a lot of electrolyte type supplement things you can use there's this one called sea salts that has basically 
lot of electrolytes that we need and, and there are no flavors or additives or anything like that. You can add that to water. You can also make sure when you're eating window that you are getting adequate salt, adequate sodium, magnesium, so focusing on the food aspects, but I'm just hesitant to recommend drinking straight from the sink. And also, Colt, I'm, I'm so happy that you got my book. Thank you so much. I hope you're hope you're enjoying it. So thank you. Um, but what, what are your thoughts, Jen? I'm curious. This is just, when you make coffee, do you use your purified water to make the coffee? Yes. Okay. See, I fill my coffee maker up with water straight from the tap. <laughs> I'm a tap water girl. I'm sorry. Actually, I have a book that a friend of mine's friend wrote. It's called um, A Tap Water Girl in a Bottled Water World. I just thought that was a funny title. Oh, that's I liked cute. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not quite so um, so worried about the, the tap water necessarily. Like I said, I make my coffee from water straight out of the tap. And um, I do drink bottled water personally just because I like the flavor of it better than some, you know, it's, it's, our house has old pipes, so I don't love the, t- it's fine in coffee, but I don't like the water, the way it tastes when it comes out of the pipes. Um, and, and I'll drink, you know, you can get electrolytes also through mineral water. I read, um, was it, was it on the Bulletproof blog where he has a post about San Pellegrino and that it has like, what is it, sulfur? That San- sulfur's not an um, electrolyte though, is it? I don't know um, that that would be classified as an electrolyte or not. I'm not. My organic chemistry husband wouldn't be able to tell me that. <laughs> but, you know, drink drink some of those um, mineral water, that sort of thing, um, instead of the, the tap water. But, yeah, I, I don't go to all that trouble with the water. But I agree. I know it, I agree with you about the fluoride, but I just don't give it a lot of thought. Is that awful? Now people are like, oh, my gosh, Jen, that's awful. <laughs> it's not awful. It's just what I do. <laughs> but I am drinking my bottled sparkling mineral water right now. I'm drinking my purified water that I filled up from the water filter outside the Ralph's. Yeah. All right. So I think we have time for one more email. This comes from Madeline, and the subject is window timing and bread. <laughs> and Madeline says, Hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you so much for introducing me to intermittent fasting. I really can tell a difference in my energy levels, and it's amazing to shift my focus during the day away from what I'm going to eat next. I've been switching between 16-8 and one meal a day. When doing 16-8, what is more important, limiting the window to exactly eight hours or making sure the fast after eating is at least 16 hours? For example, is it more important to close my window right at 8.30 p.m. if I opened it at 12.30 p.m.? Or if I end up eating until 9 p.m., is it more important to not eat until 1 p.m. the next day? Hopefully that makes sense, and sorry if you've already answered this. I'm still working my way through the episodes. Also, Jen, please post your recipe for the homemade bread you make. It sounds wonderful. It is wonderful. (laughs) And Madeline, I can't post the recipe because... It's a recipe from a book, but I can tell you the book, and I would highly recommend it. And it's actually linked already. If you go to jenstevens.com, I have a favorite things tab on jenstevens.com, and the book is called um, Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. So because it's in their book, I don't feel like I should be posting it. But um, if you if you buy their book, there's a master dough recipe, 
And I use the rolls technique that is on page 88. I've got that memorized because people ask every day. But it's really an awesome recipe. I wanted to make bread and I or to bake bread from scratch. And so after writing Feast Without Fear, I, I was inspired to buy the, the most natural bread I could find, which was made in France and they freeze it and then they, they send it over here and then, you know, I was baking it in the oven. And that was the best I could do. But I thought, you know, I'd like to try making bread from scratch after I retire. Well, this fall, I was at a, um, a group meeting of, of a group that I was, was going to, and somebody there had this bread that she um, had made. And she's like, oh, this, this is the bread. It's artisan bread in five minutes a day. And she explained the process. And so I was like, you know, I don't need to wait until summer or until after I've retired to try this because it sounds so easy. So I bought the book. Like, before I left the room that we were in, I had ordered it from Amazon, and it came. And I was so excited because you make the bread – and you, you get like a six and a half quart bowl. I found a glass bowl on Amazon and it has like a little lid that sits on top and you put it in the fridge, but you get the, the, the bowl and you put in lukewarm water and you put in yeast and you put in salt and then you mix in flour and then you just stir it up and that is it. Now I've, I've realized the, the ratio that they have, um, I always end up adding more water. It turns out better. It needs just a little more water than it says in the recipe. But you'll just you'll get the feel of how you want the dough to be, and it's a pretty wet dough. And then you just you just stir it, and then you let it sit there on the counter for a few hours, and it rises in the bowl. And it's still a very wet dough, like I said. It's not like you know something you'll see in in a traditional where you have to knead it and that sort of thing. Then you just pop it in the fridge. And then every day you pull out exactly how much bread that you're going to make. I have not made a loaf yet because we like to have rolls with our dinner. So people ask, do you measure it? No, I just grab a hunk of the roll, of the of the dough, and I coat it with flour, roll it in the shape of a, of a roll, and set it on a piece of parchment paper to, to sit out for like, you know, till it comes to room temperature. Like right before we recorded the podcast tonight, I've shaped my two rolls. And then when we're done recording the podcast, I'm ready to make dinner and I can pop them in the oven. At that time, they'll bake and they'll be fresh. But it's just so easy and I know exactly what's in it. I will say that over the summer, I am going to mill my own wheat. So um, I'm going to try that. I don't know how that will change the texture of the rolls, but I have a grain mill that I played with several years ago. And it, it, I was using a bread maker at the time and I never had good results with the bread maker, but I'm going to try it with this recipe and see how that goes. I'm very excited about that. So for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 59, I'll put a link there to that book so listeners can check that out. All right. So the other question is, you know, do you, do you time, what's more important to time the window or to time the fasting length? This is the way I look at it. And I know you would get a different answer from different people because some people are going to say, Yes, you need to fast exactly 16 hours or more to get the best benefits. For me, though, I found it to be easier when I was doing, um, when I was timing my window, I no longer time it, but when I was timing my window and I, I was, my goal was to stick to five hours or shorter every day. So I just found that I would track how long my eating window was. So whenever I opened my eating window, as long as I didn't go over five hours that day, it was a successful day for me. And so, you know, if I opened my window earlier one day, I hadn't been fasting as long. I might not have had a 19-hour fast that day. But 
I also would close it earlier and then I would end up with possibly a longer fast the next day. So because every day has 24 hours in it, if your eating window averages eight hours, as you were asking in your question, then your fasting time will average 16 hours because that's just how the math works. So some days you'll have a longer fasting time and some days you'll have a shorter fasting time but the average will be 16 hours or more as long as you keep your eating window to eight hours or less that was just the easiest way for me but there are people who are like as long as I get exactly a 16 hour fast or more I know I'm good but I don't want to have to be watching the clock to decide when to open my window so that's why that's why I didn't want to follow that approach it felt too much like oh no I'm only at you know 18 hours and 42 minutes. No, as long as I kept my eating window short, the rest took care of itself. So what do you think, Melanie? So funny. I have the exact opposite answer. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not, I mean, I told you some people would because people do think that you need to make sure you maximize the fasting time. And I understand that theory, but when I'm trying to live it as a lifestyle, I just want to It's it's funny because... For me, I guess it comes down to probably personality types and what probably. you want to focus on. Yeah. Because um, for lifestyle, for me, the complete, the exact opposite works best for me. So I, I'm like I said, I'm like you, Jen, in that I start, you know, used to count more and go by the clock more, and now it's more intuitive. So I don't really count and clock and all that stuff as much. Um, but I actually focus on the amount of hours fasted rather than focusing on the eating window. So many of the benefits are coming from that fasted state and really making sure that you're going long enough to get into that fasted state. So I do like to ensure, it's the same as you, it's just the opposite. Um, Because by focusing on how many hours I go, then regardless of if I eat longer, things will average out in the end as well. So it's kind of similar in that aspect. And it's interesting, so, so you don't like counting the fast because you don't, like feeling, you know, like, oh, you have to, you know, fast longer or, oh, you can't eat. I'm the opposite. I don't like counting the eating window because I don't like thinking, oh, I I have to stop eating by this time. I like to feel like I can just keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And then I like counting the fast. For me, see, for me, I needed to close my window. That was maybe the difference. I needed to close my window after five hours in order to see the weight loss. And so my problem was I would keep going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. And but maybe for me I guess like the opposite. I guess I got the benefits and the the weight loss by ensuring that I went long enough with in the, the fast. Yeah. That that's that's so interesting. It works out mostly the same in the end, but um it, I guess it is just a matter of what you want to focus on. And and the 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 reason like focusing on counting the fast doesn't was not difficult for me. Um was because once you do enter that fasted state, especially around the 13, 14 hour mark, it is just so effortless and you really feel the benefits. So in a way, counting the hours like, oh, another hour, oh, another hour was exciting (laughs) and like a fun thing to count rather than a dreaded thing to count. Yeah. And for me, it was more of if I opened early, it was because there was a reason, like because there was an event, like a lunch out with friends. And so when I open earlier, it's usually for something like that. That makes sense. A social event, yeah. So like I said, I've actually never counted the hours of my eating window, ever. Wow. I've only counted Well, that's interesting. 
come to think of it. Yeah, I've never, I've never counted the eating window hours, but I've started to research or I've started to wonder if maybe I should experiment with that, like flip, flip the other way around. Yeah. Just because, you know, we talk all the time about the research into like circadian rhythms and eating right before bed and all of that stuff. And I mean, I sleep really well, but I have been wondering if I should try an experiment where I do have a window that I close three hours or so before I go to bed out of curiosity and see how it affects my sleep, see how it affects things like that. Would you also open earlier? Um, oh, that's weird because I don't ever even count like that of when I open. Um, no, I don't think so. I would just close earlier. Okay. So I would still would- eat probably. I would eat the same amount probably. I just wouldn't do the whole – because I have a tendency to just munch, munch, munch until bed. Yeah. And I – so I would just kind of stop that. So how long do you think your window is typically, your eating window? Um, I don't know I'm thinking. I mean, it's probably around six hours or so. All right. Wait. Yeah, it's probably around six hours. All right. That's interesting. So interesting. In fact, you know, the, the – the window app that I mentioned earlier that my son made, he made it for me because at the time I really wanted an app to track my eating window. And the only apps that were available at that time were um, apps that tracked the length of the fast. Yeah, there were only fasting window apps that tracked the length of your fast. I'm like, I don't want that. I want to be able to start or like open my window and click on something and then I want it to, you know, have the flexibility of I can either tell it when I want it to close or close it manually or have it remind me your five hours is up or set it for three hours or whatever. So I wanted a, an app that tracked the eating window. And so there was nothing like that. So I was like, make me an app. <laughs> and he did. He made me an app and then he sold it on the app store. And now it does all sorts of things. It actually will track the fast and you can toggle back and forth to do the fast and the window. He, and he resisted that for a long time. He's like, that's so much more complicated. <laughs> but then he, he figured out how to do it. So, and he also, he was just updating it this spring, which is funny. And, you know, he just finished his um, third year at Georgia Tech and he made this app, I guess it was his freshman year, um, maybe right after his freshman year. And he, he's like, cause now he's been working for, for professional companies, you know, he's worked for MailChimp and he's worked for Airbnb and now he's working for Apple. And he was like, wow, it's amazing the way I used to code and the way I code now, it's like a mess, apparently, the way he made it to start with. Now he's like more sophisticated as a coder. There, There is an app, I, I've said this before, but there is an app I really want to make. So if he ever wants to take on a, a project, which he'd probably likely benefit from financially, um, <laughs> I'll, I would like I'll, to talk to him. Awesome. Yeah. He can't, um, he's not allowed to make any apps until after oh, he finishes with Apple. That happened with my friend as well. Cause I yeah. had, I had a girlfriend who did coding, but she couldn't because she was working because of where she was working. I think it was like Time Warner or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's, he's not allowed to till August. He's not, e- he's not even allowed to update his own apps. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. I know. Oh wow. Really? I, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's they have all sorts of things that he had to sign and promise he wouldn't do and wow, yeah. All right, well, come August, send him my way. I will. Um, and, I will. And for listeners, I, I'm completely serious too, like 100 okay. percent serious. All right. <laughs> so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com/episode59, we'll put a link there to that window app as well, so you can get that. Jen, we sh- we should do like a poll in the Facebook groups. 
do count the fast or you count the the eating window. That that's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting that I, I have, like I said, I've never counted the eating window. Yeah, that's that's all I did. That was it. Yeah. So I just want to say, Madeline, as far as like health benefits go and everything like that, um, it's really just a matter of what works for you that does end up creating, you know, the the consistent intermittent fasting lifestyle that you can stick to and that makes you feel feel good about it and count count it the way you like it. Um, and if that happens, then then yeah, it'll work. Yep. And it all averages out over time. If you have a, you know, there because there's 24 hours in a day, so whatever happens, either way, it's going to average out. If you track your 16, then your eight will possibly vary from time to time. And if you track the eight, then the 16 may vary from time to time. But it will average out because there's 24 hours in a day. And you'll be getting that that fast in. So, all right. Well, this has been wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 57, like I said, that's where we will put show notes, links, references, all the things. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put all of the stuff that we like, books, podcasts, supplements, things like that. Um, also, you can support our podcast on Patreon. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com slash ifpodcast, you can actually pledge if you want to pledge even just like you know a dollar or something like that um it can really help support the podcast and make it possible and then lastly you can follow us on instagram our handle is ifpodcast and you can also go to ifpodcast.com just for information in general and oh if you go to itunes you can subscribe to our podcast and then you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically each and every week and while you're there if you're in a writing mode and if, especially if you're a really good writer like Cortano, <laughs> you can write a review of the podcast. We would really, really appreciate that. Or, or you don't have to be a good writer. We don't. We, we, we like everybody. <laughs> so thank you all so much. Any final thoughts from you, Jen? Nope. I think that's it. The next time we record, I will be a retired teacher. Oh, crazy. You'll I be know. in your land of potential. Yay. It's so exciting. I'm going to miss it though. Look, I'm going to miss these kids. So I've got, I've got mixed emotions. I'm like, you know, (sighs) it's time, but, but I'm going to miss them. It's just a change. So it's going to be weird, especially in August. In August, we'll see how it goes. And also, um, we have the fifth grade graduation coming up on Friday and I have to stand up. I'm the first person who's going to present awards. I'm going to present awards to my um, math Olympiad students. And I had kids who did um, future problem solving and one at the state level this year. And I'm going to have to give awards for that. And I'm like, I've never like gotten emotional during the awards, but I'm like, am I going to like cry like a baby at the fifth grade graduation? I'm going to try really hard not to, but like right now I'm just excited, but I'm like, I hope I don't stand up there and boohoo. Let me I'll know. Let, you know. let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try not to. But, you know, there's that excitement, but also, like, when you, when something just hits you emotionally, you know what yeah. I mean? And sometimes you're not expecting it to, and then it does. So we'll see. No, I hear you. <sighs> I remember when I – um, this is not the same thing, but when my literary agent signed me, that was the first time I – just started bawling, like crying from happiness. I didn't know that was like wow. a thing. Like yeah. actually, 
I was like, oh, this is yeah. what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Well, yay. So. Well, on that note, I will talk to you next week. All right. You too. See you then. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.